Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Psalms 37. Still studying the will of God tonight. How many remember what we studied last week? Anybody remember? Studied Naaman. Saw how he ended up getting a miracle because he finally got out of stubbornness and got out of defiance and got into the, humbled himself and submitted himself to what the word said, what the prophet said to him, and he ended up getting healed, didn't he? Yes, he did. Praise God. Isn't that good? It's always good when you get healed. Psalms 37, fret not thyselves, verse 1, because of evildoers, neither be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now I like verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee, des thee, des give thee the desires of thine heart. Let me read it again. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of of thine heart. Everybody say desires. Next verse, verse 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Uh, fret not thyself because of him who uh, perverted, is perverteth in his ways, uh, because of the man who, uh, who bringeth wicked devices to pass, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now back up again to verse 4. Delight. Everybody say delight. Delight, delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee des the desires of the heart. Now one thing it does not say is this. It doesn't say delight thyself also in thy desires. It says delight thyself also in the Lord. I think we find ourselves too many times delighting ourselves in the desires we have and not in the Lord. Now, first of all, you have to understand what David is talking about here. And that is the God-given desires that come from delighting yourself in the Lord. Now, the word delight, you know, you can look it up in your dictionaries. It's going to say something like, you know, something that gives you pleasure, different things like that. But in the true Hebrew definition, the word delight means soft pliable, easy to be worked. It literally speaks of clay, is what it's speaking of. Clay in a potter's hand that has been, that has been wet, that has been uh, uh, you know, ready to be worked with. It's not all dry. It's not all, uh, all crumbly. It's ready to be worked with. Literally, what God is saying is you have to become pliable in God's hands. Amen? Now, we must understand, first of all, that there is a lot of human desire that has nothing to do with serving God. It has nothing to do, it's just human desire. If you are sick, what do you desire? You don't have to be a Christian to, 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 to uh, desire to be well. I mean, you got hospitals full of people right now, and the reason they're there is they don't want to be sick anymore. They want to be well. They'll, they'll, they'll have surgery, uh, they'll take medication, uh, they'll take treatment, and, and they'll try to get their desire met to be well again, to recover their health. People that have no money desire to be, just to have money. I mean, that's natural desire. And I think many times what we do is we got so many needs in the natural that we kind of forget about the desires that God wants to give us. 
Amen. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, you know, if I could just get healthy and get a little money and, and, and get a little breakthrough in my marriage and, and maybe get a promotion at my job and, and maybe just get a little peace in my life, then, then I might consider all that. But look, I'm dealing with all this drama of life right now, so I really don't need anybody to talk to me about God's desire because I, I, just, I just want to feel better. Come on, church. I mean, we can act real spiritual, but that's the way a lot of us are. And so we go to work and we work very hard trying to get those human desires satisfied because human desires left unsatisfied literally create uncomfortableness, a place in our lives in which we're literally very agitated and unable to function. I mean, you let it go on long enough and it literally will, will cause you not to be able to function. That's why a lot of people end up on medication. A lot of people end up uh, uh, having to go to uh, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists. And, and if it gets bad enough, then you literally end up in treatment somewhere. Somebody trying to fix you. That's why drugs and addictions are so powerful and so prevalent. Amen? I mean, I, I listened to something on the radio today. I was here at the church studying a little bit, and I was... Uh, 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 spending some time in prayer, and then I, I went home to get, come back to, so I could come back and get ready for tonight. And it talked about the, the, uh, the development of the cannabis industry in America and in the world. Now, there's two nations in the world, so if, if, you're, if you're a weed head, this is where you need to move. <laughs> Canada and Uruguay. Canada and Uruguay have totally legalized weed, marijuana. And in America, 46 states have either decriminalized it or totally legalized it. And they expect by the year 2020, when the election comes around, that that's going to be such a, 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 a hot topic amongst the politicians that it'll probably be passed either before that or directly right after the election, where, where, where we'll be a weedhead nation. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen, So just to prepare you. You're going to see it everywhere. All these little smoke shops you see starting to pop up everywhere. What do you think those are? They're getting ready for the legalization of something that eases the pain of not, allow, of not having your desires met. Now, we already have an industry that does that. Did you know that? The alcohol industry, which is all over. How many bars are there in Galveston County? I mean, people talk about going bar hump, hopping. Well, you can hop your, hop your little legs off going to all the bars around here. Amen? And you can get a, you can get a, you know, a, a screwdriver or a hammer or a chainsaw or whatever they name their drinks these days. Amen? And you can just drink yourself uh, into oblivion. Amen? And now you can do it, I guess, with a joint in your mouth. Now, what that does, the reason that people make so much money on that and why that's so popular is because the, they, people have found that there is a temporary buzz in that that helps you deal with not having your desires met. I don't make the money that I want, but I can feel a little better about it after four or five bong hits. Two martinis, three martinis. I feel a little bit better about it. And so we're such a sensual group of people, the human family, a sensual group of people, that when it comes to desire, it comes to all the things that the humanity desires to make it feel good about itself. 
What we do is we make industries out of it, and we patronize the lack of it in our society, and that's how we build all these addictions, all these problems that people have. And people think, well, you know, uh, uh, it really doesn't make any difference. You know, people are going to do what they want to do because they just want to party. That's really not true. They're just trying to escape their life because their desires have not been met. Now, then you get saved. Then you get born again. You get filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're told you can't smoke no weed no more. You can't drink no beer no more. You can't drink no alcohol. And so we make up rules to stop people from what they used to use to pacify, pacify the lack of their desires being met. And so Christians sit around looking like they've eaten a lemon. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I've talked to people all over the world that, that, that would tell me things like, well, I would have got a, uh, become a Christian a lot sooner, but, but I knew some Christians. <laughs> and they were living a pretty hard life. You know, I, I, listened, I actually heard a guy say that one time. He said, you know, I'd, 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 I'd live for God. I'd come to church. I'd read, but I, I just can't live like that. I just can't live. And there's a lot of people that have decided, I just can't live like that. There's no relief. There's no refreshing. There's nothing. You know, I come to church. I hear the Bible. I sing a few songs. I give them the offering. Well, praise God. I go home. And it's the same old, same old. My back still hurts. I got to get up and go to a job I don't like. Got to look across the table at my wife or my husband. They're just ugly as they were when we left. <laughs> Amen. All my kids, I wonder whose kids these are. I mean, you might as well tell the truth when you come to church, amen? And so, you know, Christianity becomes this kind of mundane life where you just kind of, you know, and then, well, we're supposed to really act like we're really happy, you know? We're really supposed to, we're really, well, the key to all of that is the delight part. The delight part. Everybody say delight. Because a lot of people don't learn the, what I like to call the mysterious art of delighting yourself in the Lord. And you think, well, you know, I'm going to come to prayer. And people, you know, we talk about prayer, you need to pray. Okay, I need to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. Okay, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. You know, and we just kind of, we start praying. And we think, okay, now we're through praying. Now what? And, and then, well, let's read our Bibles. Okay, let's read our So we read our Bibles. Now what? Now, well, let's go to church. Okay, now let's go to church. And then after that, now, now what? And we think, well, nothing has really changed. Nothing's really happened. It's because the delight element of the prayer and the reading the Bible and the coming to church is not there. Because how can you delight yourself in a God you cannot see, touch, hear, feel, or smell? It's not like you can just say, well, you know, there's God, and I'm going to go hang out with Him. I mean, it's not there. We have to live by faith. But the key to the whole thing is learning to delight yourself in Him. And in order to delight yourself in Him, you're going to have to have a new perspective about everything that has to do with your spirituality and about God. Or else you're not going to enjoy what I would like to call your redemptive joy that God has given you. You say, what do you mean by that? I think what we do many times is we go through the motions. Now, don't get me wrong. 
We pray, we study the Word, we come to church, we go through the motions. And then we expect a type of relief that the world is used to. Amen? Not realizing God's not providing a high. Now let me say that again. God's not providing a high. Then there's always the super spiritual people that talk about living in His presence. And they're like, you know, they're kind of like, some of them have kind of an accent, and some of them are, they get an accent, and they, and they, they have this kind of walk to them like they're kind of in a cloud-like. And they talk about being in the presence of God. And if you're never not in the presence of God, then you, you can't function, so you have to always live in the presence of God. And they always build that up like that's something that they're feeling, and they kind of go around kind of acting like they're feeling it, you know. I'm feeling it, you know, I'm feeling it. When they ain't feeling it. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They're really not feeling it. They're just acting like that. Now, don't give me, I've been, in, I've been in services where I felt it. Well, I'm telling you, I wish I could have stayed there forever. I mean, I've been in some services, some meetings, some, some were mine, some were other people's, where I thought to myself, if I could just be right here the rest of my life, it, I don't care what happens, I don't care what the devil does, I don't care what, I, if I could live right here in this moment, it would all be okay. But those moments are few and far between. And I think God lets us taste them every once in a while just so we will come to that place of delighting in Him. Everybody say delight. delight. Now, to be pliable in His hands. We've studied for several weeks the two words of submission and humility. And I guarantee you, Somebody that walked on this planet 2,000 years ago knew about being in the presence of God more than any of us did. Or any of us ever will. Because not only was He in the presence of God, He was the presence of God. Amen? But He gave that up to come down and to get into a human body in order to literally delight in God. You say, now how can God delight in God? God did that. Jesus did that by submitting to the will of the Father. And I guarantee you when He walked on the earth, He was subject to as much of the, quote, feelings of humanity that humanity has. The Bible said He was tempted in every area, yet without sin. So He knew what it was like to be lonely. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to be intimidated. He knew all of the emotions. He knew all of the feelings and he knew it outside of that angelic presence, that divine presence, that presence of being in heaven. He knew it outside of that. He knew it as a human. And then he knew things even stronger than we will ever know. And that was the taking of our sin, our iniquity, our sickness, and all of that. So he was somebody who did what? Who had to survive on the earth as a God, as, excuse me, as a man in correct relationship to his God. So viewing his behavior and activity helps us understand how he made it. You say, how did he make it? He made it, number one, by recognizing who God was. Now, it's, this is probably not a good thing to say in church, but I'm going to say it anyway. 
A lot of people hope there's a God. Uh, they really do. I mean, they're kind of like, man, at the end of the day, I really, uh, I, I believe in God. I love God. I hope there's a God. No, really. You think about that. But until God becomes real to you, then that hope remains something not positive but negative. Now, let me help you. This is a real profound, simple revelation. Are you ready? <laughs> there is a God. <laughs> let me say that again. There is a God. I said there is a God. And he knew that you would be on earth in 2009, March of 2019 with all the drama of your life, with all the problems that are going on. And he knew there would be the temptation of the alternative. Let me know what the temptation of the alternative is. To just go out and do it. You say, do what? Whatever it is that eases your pain. Amen. Whatever it is that eases your pain, whatever it used, you say, what do you mean? Like you did when you were a sinner, when you were away from, and what we do is this, you know, people that go out and do that, we, we, we criticize, we, you're backslidden, you're this or that, where in reality, what they're doing is, is they're giving up on that which God has provided because they hadn't tapped into it yet. It's not been tapped into. You say, well, I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, I speak with other tongues, I'm doing everything I can do to walk in faith, but listen. God wants to provide so much more for you in your life than just what faith produces as far as a no-feeling experience when it comes to God. You say, what do you mean by that? God wants you literally to know He loves you, that He is your very own Heavenly Father, and that if you will delight yourself in Him, then one of the ways you know of His presence in you is a desire will be formed. Now let me tell you what that desire is. Some of you are going to really get some good stuff tonight because something is going to be reactivated in you. That desire is what is formed in a man or a woman when they come to the place where they make the decision, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. Now, I'm going back. Tomorrow will be 35. 35 years ago tomorrow, I came back to the Lord after 12 years of being backslidden, 12 years of trying to feed myself on the relief of the world that did not work, and I came back to God. The only thing I can say is this. Kneeling in front of a television and praying a prayer to get right with God, with Billy Graham on the television, I had no feeling at all. Zero. Zero feelings. I didn't feel His presence. I didn't have a vision. I didn't see anything. I didn't feel nothing. But what came into my heart was a knowing. Everybody say a knowing. Not a believing now, a knowing. Everybody say a knowing. God is looking for the door of every heart to put in that heart a knowing. You say, what was that knowing? Number one, I knew God loved me. That's where it begins, right there. So uh, you need to know God forgives you. Well, listen, listen, that's, that's well and good to know He forgives you, but if you don't know He loves you, then it's going to be difficult for you to figure out that He has forgiven you. So all of a sudden, I knew God loved me. 
And when I, when, I, when I knew God loved me, it produced an emotion. Everybody say an emotion. You say, what was that emotion? It was a human emotion. Now let me tell you, it's not the most strongest emotion any of us have ever had. It's actually a very, how can I say this? It's a very, if you've ever experienced it, it's not strong, it's not something you run and jump. The emotion is the emotion of acceptance. It's like you're in a line with 20 people and two people get picked out to choose two teams. And you get picked. You know, first, second, or third. You, come on, you're on my team. And all of a sudden you just kind of have this, oh, I don't have to worry about who picks me anymore. I'm accepted. If you've ever been the last one in the line where somebody says, why don't you take them? <laughs> Come on. That produces an emotion too. But when God produces an emotion of acceptance, it's the first pick because you're in Christ. So it's like you're the first one picked. I felt a freshness. I felt a newness. I felt a, how can I say it? I felt cleansed. I felt clean. And it was a feeling beyond feelings. You say, what do you mean by that? It wasn't anything on my flesh, anything in my muscles, anything in my brain, anything. It was the knowing that was so strong, it produced one of these. It's like a great big weight. I've prayed with thousands of people in the past 35 years to get saved. And I can always tell when somebody's giving lip service and somebody really gets saved. I mean, somebody that didn't know God, all of a sudden they got the revelation, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. That preacher said, all i got to do is believe in my I'm going, that's me. They come up the aisle, out on the street, wherever. They pray that prayer and they go like this. And all of that junk, it's not a feeling of what's there. It's a feeling of what's not there. You, you, you need to get that. Because too many people are looking for the, the feeling. That's, do you feel the Lord? They're looking for what's there, but it's really what's not there. And if you can carry that into your faith, where it's, the pain is not there, or the, or the financial problem is not... It, well, I'm not going to get into that because that's, that's, a, that's a whole other direction. I, mean, I don't want to go that direction. We want to stay on the delight side. But all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's lifted. It's gone. Dad and I were in... Uh, right after I got married, we got married, Lee and I. Dad and I went on a, uh, a full gospel businessman airlift down to uh, Belize. And... Uh, we, we did a meeting on an island, then we went to another little, little old smuggler's cove, smuggler's town down there, and we were going to have a, 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 a full gospel business meeting, meeting in the hotel. So we went around to, to, to invite people to try to get a crowd come to the meeting. I guess there were about, what, maybe 15 of us, 10 or 15 of us. And so uh, some of us from, from this area, there were some from Lakewood, and, and so we went around and, and invited a few people, and they asked me to speak that night. So I said, cool, that, that's great. And so the guy that kind of was heading the whole thing up, he was the president of Barclays Bank in Belize City. Uh, uh, his name was George Alwell. Alwell was his name. Now, at that time, Belize was still uh, under British rule. So British soldiers were there, and, and, and the British Army was still in Belize. So 
he called my room at about 3.30 in the afternoon. And he said, uh, he said, I lost someone down there. I thought he was talking about somebody that went with us, but found out later it was a friend of his. He said, I lost, and he gave the guy's name. But he said, I found him, and he's down here in this bar, and he's, and he's stoned out of his mind on, on rum and cocaine. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, I'm up trying to get ready for a meeting and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'd rather stay up here and pray. But he was very insistent. You need to come down. You need to help me out. So I went down there and I walked up and here sat that banker dressed like a banker and this other guy whose hair was all freaked out and he had this wild look and his clothes were all tattered and man, he was a mess. And he was very wild looking. And I'm like, man. So I started talking to him about the Lord, telling him God loved him, telling him God would deliver him, all this kind of stuff. And every time I'd say something and get to the end of a thought, he'd look up and say, give me $20. Give me $20. And I'm like, I'm not giving you $20. And so I'd go on. I told him my testimony. I knew what it's like to be like you are. Give me $20. I'm going, give me $20. So finally, I stood up. I laid hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, you foul devil of drugs and alcohol, come out of this man in Jesus' name. And he looked up and said, give me $20. (laughs) I don't know what ever happened to him. I hope he got his $20, you know. So I got up to leave, and I'm walking out, and there's a little, this is a, a bar, and there's a hall and the kitchen to the restaurant of the hotel is right there and as I'm walking by I hear a sound I really couldn't tell what it was I just heard a sound so I glanced back in, and there's a lady sitting in there crying she's sitting on some boxes and she's weeping and so I said are you okay and she said I am from from Tennessee I'm a backslidden Pentecostal I thought I had committed the unpardonable sin and I heard what you said to that man and I know God still loves me And I said, come here. And I prayed with her. And when I prayed with her, she went like this. (sighs) Because what she felt before the prayer was so strong and so heavy and had been there so long, it was not giving her another feeling that was going to help her. It was getting rid of the feeling that was there. Now do you see where I'm going? Now, 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 what happened was, is she was so inspired by the moment, she invited the entire staff of the hotel, and I think we ended up getting 30 or 40 people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost that night just because that one woman got some relief from God. Now, delight yourself. Everybody say delight. When you begin to delight yourself, that's where it should begin. In my own life, I remember the first few nights after I got right with God. It was horrific. It was the only way to describe it. There were things going on in my room. There were things going on outside. There were things going on with people. It was, it had to be the absolute mercy of God that got me through it. I would wake up in the night choking. I would wake up in the night with smoke in my room. I would wake up, I mean, it was was crazy. And it got to the point where I didn't think I could do it anymore. But on the inside was that knowing. And I kept going back to that knowing. And I prayed every day for hours. Didn't feel nothing. I got in the Word of God every day. I went to meetings, I think, almost every night. Was getting no, quote, feeling out of any of it. 
but I had made a decision, I am going to serve God no matter what. And I remember laying in my bed, and junk was going on my room that was demonic, and I'm thinking, I've got, I can't do this. And I remember when the thought, I can't do this, hit my mind, something hit my spirit. And this is what hit my spirit. This is what hit my spirit. These three words from God. I knew it was God like I knew it was my name. These three words hit my spirit. You know what they were? I need you. God said that to me. He said, I need you. And when he said, I need you, what I was forcing myself to do in the natural, what was delighting in him, when he said, I need you, the desire was birthed in me for ministry. And when that happened, there's only the only way I can describe it is this. It's like somebody walked through my room with the most fragrant perfume you could ever buy or ever imagine, and it literally cleared that atmosphere out, and I never had any problems with any of that junk again. Now, if it happens that quickly, you say, well, wait. You know, I, I've been trying to do, get something. Well, it comes into your life at a time in which all of the other human desires are stacked up like cordwood. You say, what do you mean? If you had everything you need as far as human desire was concerned, you'd have no heart toward God. You say, well, God doesn't use negative things. No, what He uses is His compassion, His love, and His mercy. You can turn to God with a burning house. You say, what do you mean by that? Everything in the house is burning. The finances are burning. The, the, the health is burning. The marriage is burning. Yeah, the, the, the mental health is burning. All, everything is, but if you don't allow the burning house to turn into the burning heart, then you'll perpetually live in the state of a burning house. It'll just be at either higher sometimes and lower others. You'll learn to live there. You'll learn to live there. And God doesn't want you living there. God doesn't want you living in perpetual problems, circumstances, and situations. You say, what do you mean by that? Even Jesus, when he went through all the temptations in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 verse 11 says, Then the devil leaveth him. Meditating on that years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, There ought to be extended periods of time in every believer's life in which the devil has no access to your life whatsoever. But that's such an unknown to people because they live from trial to tribulation to situation, from pain to hurt to suffering. One is this really worth it, serving God? Well, it is if you'll get off that roller coaster and off that carousel and really begin to become pliable in the hands of God. So that goes back to, we've been studying what? Now, what have we been studying? The will of God. Everybody say the will of God. That brings you to the place. Man, how did my time get away from me? That brings you to the place, and I'll close with this. Well, you have to make a decision what you're going to do. Everybody say, what you going to do? <laughs> you say, what do you mean by that? It's all based on choice. When you tell God, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. I tell you, I'm sold out. I'm through playing games. I'm through messing around. I'm through doing my own thing. I'm going to seek your will. I'll go wherever you say go. I'll go wherever, anywhere, do anything you tell me to. 
Did you know he knows whether or not you're telling the truth or not? <laughs> Did you know you may not know you're telling the truth or not? You say, well, how can you say that? You could be saying it in a moment. Amen? I mean, in a moment of the presence of the Lord, great glory, an inspirational meeting, a powerful service, or get on the negative side of it, you know, when they sentence you to 25 years with no parole. <laughs> I'll serve you now, Lord. Well, you know, great. <laughs> Amen. So the thing to do is to not, and this is one of the major character lessons I've learned in life and spiritual things. Don't be so quick. Don't be so quick to say yes when you're not so sure you mean yes. Did you get that? You say, what do you mean? Don't be so quick to say yes. You say yes to what? Anything, anything that has to do with God and the things of God. Don't be so quick to say yes until you can really mean yes. Because if you can really mean yes when you say yes, God will take your yes. And when God takes, you say, how do you know when God takes your yes? He empowers you to keep your word by His word. Everything I said yes to God for all of my life, He empowered me to keep my word. Yes to traveling. Yes to being married to Leah. Yes to pastoring. Yes to supporting missions. Yes to building that building. Yes to building this building. Yes to whatever we do. And not give up. And not quit. No matter what it looks like. You say, why? How can you do that? The way you can do that is because when you take your time and you come to that place in which you say, Lord, I'm giving you my life. Here is my yes. I'm going to delight in you. I'm going to get into your hands where you can mold me and make me into what you want me to be. When you get to that place and you say it and you mean it, then He will equip you to follow through on your word. That's why so many people have never been able to really follow through. Because it's been because of a problem, a situation, man, if I could just get that money. Lord, I mean yes. I'm going to tithe and offer. Then the money comes and they forget. They forget the yes they gave to God. One last thought and I'll close with this. Because I have to say this. That's why a lot of people, faith doesn't work for them. You say, what do you mean faith doesn't work? You've used your word so many times to God and broke it. And because you can't trust your own word, you can't trust God's word. That's why God hates lying so much. And I found out the only way to really get God's word to work in my life is to be a man of my word. And that's why the Bible says a righteous man, a righteous man will keep his word and not change. Swear to his own hurts, what it says in what, Psalm 16. A righteous man will swear to his own hurt and change not. And I have said some things that I wish I'd have never said because it cost me time, it cost me money, it cost me all kinds of things. But I said it and I had to follow through on it. But if you keep giving, because as we say, many of you that come to the church know when we tell these people standing down in the front and getting right with God, you know, the highest place you give your word 
you know, your wife, your husband, that's getting up there pretty high. But the highest place is the word you give to God. And if you violate that word over and over and over, then it'll callous you. And you'll, very, you'll have a very hard time believing by his stripes I'm healed. You'll have a very hard time believing my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So the answer to that is to take your time and give God the, the yes when you're ready to mean yes. And then become pliable in his hands and let him begin to give you the tools to help you make the choices to get into his will so you can enjoy his blessing. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your word. And Lord, for each and every one of us. Lord, we've not, none of us have been perfect in this. None of us have ever walked in perfection. No man, no woman has ever walked in perfection in this, in the earth. We've all made mistakes. We've all given our word and failed. But you're a God that has given his word and you never fail. Your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word is light. And when we have, where we have made those mistakes and missed the mark, given our word when we really didn't mean it, or when the answer came, our word was less than it was, then we spoke it in the crisis. You know it, but you can forgive it. And your blood can eradicate it. So tonight, we thank you, Father, for a purifying among us that are gathered here tonight. Of all of that which we've said and done over the years, which we've not stood by, but Lord, you were still faithful to stand by what you said. All that which we've given our life to, but pulled back when the pressure was not what it was. So that we in the days ahead and the times to come might live unto the Lord. Delight ourselves in Him and receive from heaven desires from the Father that we must walk out by faith in all that we say and do. Thank you tonight as we leave this place that your provision of safety, protection, and blessing are upon us. Thank you, Lord. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. And our travels, the righteous labor of our hands, and all that we do, Lord God, our trust is in you to keep us, to protect us. Thank you for the doors of utterance which you afford us. Let us step through them. Be ministers of reconciliation, restoration, encouragement, and blessing. Fathers, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church, a place where you're molding our character and developing your word on the inside. Thank you as we leave tonight that your anointing is upon us. Your blessing is in us. Thank you, fathers. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.